Good morning. Good to see each one this morning. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, present this morning's lesson. Uh, you know, oftentimes we're asked, what is your favorite verse of the Bible? And I don't know if I can pick just one verse because God's Word is so fascinating and so wonderful that when you, whenever you open it and start reading, there's just so many verses that mean so much. But I do have favorite verses. I do have verses I feel speak volumes uh, to our salvation, to our relationship with God. And this morning we're going to be taking our lesson from John 14 and verse 6. We look at John 14, 6, we see Jesus as he is speaking to the apostles and he is telling them uh, different things. Actually, this discourse that he's in covers several chapters in John. And, of course, John 14 is one that we see and we're very familiar with the first uh, three verses Four verses where Jesus says, let not, you believe in, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So these are very comforting words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And oftentimes I wonder how it would have been to be able to sit and listen to Jesus as we are talking today. I think it would have been a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be able to sit and listen to him. But this morning we're going to key on verse 6 as he talks with Thomas and, of course, that discourse there. And, and Jesus makes this wonderful statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now we can look at the first part of this verse and we can see how it talks about the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there have been many, many sermons done on that partic these particular uh, things that he speaks of here. Yet one thing that strikes me in this verse is the last part of it. He says, For no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, there are those in our world today, and of course there are so many different religious beliefs about this life and the afterlife, and yet many of them are so far away from God's Word that in many cases, it's very confusing what they teach, many of the Eastern religions. But yet, even in our own country, many of the denominations uh, teach things that are contrary to God's Word. Even though they may teach some things that are correct, they also teach things that are incorrect. And we must, as Christians, as people who want to serve God, who want to follow God, we must be consistent in what we believe. And that means following the truth and not being contrary uh, to God's Word and what we do, whether it's in our private lives or whether it's in our worship and our public services. We, all, we must always be in harmony with God's Word. We must be consistent. And this morning we're going to look at the Savior's way. What does it mean, the Savior's way? Uh, well, we're told in Acts the 8th chapter that Philip goes down to Samaria and preaches Christ to them and the kingdom. Well, you can imagine, you can sit and think and speculate all the things that maybe Philip spoke in that sermon to them, but it says that he preached Christ to them. And here we see Jesus making a very plain and clear statement that he is the way. Of course, that way means that he's the truth and he's the life. And we can look at life uh, for us here as we live, and then we can look at the afterlife. He is all of that. 
But yet there are those that teach that Christ is not the way. There are religions in the world that say maybe Muhammad is the way or Buddha or any other person they look to to get them into that eternal heaven or that eternal level of spiritual enlightenment. If you read some different religions, you can see how that uh, they really talk about spiritual enlightenment, not only in this world, but even after we leave this world. So we see the fact that Christ is talking about He is the way, and He, he really clarifies that in the last part of that verse. He says that no man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And it always amazes me that those who claim to be Christians oftentimes talk about being in a uh, spiritual relationship with those who do not believe in Christ as the Messiah. Uh, I can understand wanting to be friends with people and wanting to be able to uh, have things in common with them. Uh, one problem that the church is facing today is that there are those in the Lord's church that want to be like all the denominations around them and be able to fit in with them and have fellowship with them and everything be okay. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. As Brother J.C. mentioned in his uh, lesson this morning about the fact that we have to uh, make sure that we're following what the Bible teaches and we can't be in fellowship with those that are not following the truth. We understand that Christ is the Messiah and that He is the way and the truth. And that what He says, what He has said in, as recorded in the Scriptures, and then what the apostles and others taught uh, concerning Christ is all truth. And we have to follow that. The fact that Christ is the one, nobody else. We cannot get to heaven any other way except through Christ. And that means following His Word. Unfortunately, some have chosen to follow the world rather than follow the truth. Because they want to be like those in the world. They want to have fellowship with them. And I imagine that it is difficult <clears throat> and has been for some people to be put as an odd person, one who is different. And the church is accused of that all the time. But yet we also have to realize that uh, in our relationship with God, as, as we talked about this morning in class, the fact that there are those that want to go away from God's Word and believe what they want and still have fellowship with God. But that's not the case. We have to be in fellowship with God. But when we look at preaching the way, we understand that Jesus is talking about a certain way. He's not talking about any way. He says, I am the way, which really clarifies it, which really says that there is no other way except the way of Christ. Therefore, following Him is absolutely essential. Man cannot enter heaven any other way. Man could not come up with a way of salvation on his own. That does not mean that man does not have any part in his salvation. God has created salvation for man. Now, man does have part in his salvation in the fact that he has to come to God. There are so many verses that tell us that we have to come to God, that we have to obey and be obedient to the Word. Now, that means that we as individuals have a responsibility to come to Christ, come to God, obey the Word correctly. Uh, there is a teaching in the world that as long as you believe that God is who He is and that Jesus Christ is His Son, that you will have that home in heaven. But universal salvation is not taught. Because if you take that idea, that belief, that means that it doesn't matter what anybody does, in their life that all they have to do is believe. It doesn't matter really what they do after that. And there are 
some that talk about core essentials or uh, core points uh, in believing just a couple of things and that's it. There's no reason to really worry about what you do in life because you believe in God and you trust in Jesus. That's the extent of their commitment to God in many ways. I have to leave because God saved my soul. He saved me. He didn't save nothing else. He saved me. Mm-hmm. And He gave me eternal life. I, I've been through death three times, but He yeah. kept me around. Well, if I you... I don't want to interrupt your service. Well... I apologize for that. I'll leave. Don't you want to touch me. That's my last name, Pat. And I apologize to all of you. No, I won't apologize. But God gave me eternal life. He never forsake me. He never forgive me. He always loved me. That's why we got one way. He loves me. Yes, he does. He loves me eternally. No, I don't have Well, it's unfortunate that we have situations that occur like that. It's not the first time I've had something like this or been experienced something like this before, but it's unfortunate. But uh, as I was saying, the fact that man cannot create salvation on his own, God created salvation for us, but yet we have a part in our salvation. And when Philip went down to Samaria, that's exactly what he told those people, that they had uh, a part in their salvation, although it's not stated in Uh, the scriptures as far as that he told them that, but we can imply that by what they did. They heard and they believed. And they obeyed the command to be baptized. So we know that he talked about man's part in salvation. Uh, Judaism was something that as Christ was teaching at that time, before the cross, before his crucifixion, uh, living under that law, he was very uh, aware of everything because being deity... Being one of the Godhead, he knew everything as far as uh, law and truth. And therefore, when he taught a lot of things, it was in opposition to what the Jews had already established as law sometimes. It wasn't the fact that it was law, but through their ideas and through their practices, they established certain things as law. As in the religious world today, there are certain people who say, well, the Bible teaches this and the Bible teaches that, when it does not. But they have tried to establish something that is contrary. And the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees did that very, very thing. But in Galatians 5.4, as Paul talked about the fact that there were those Jews that became Christians and they were giving up on Christ, going back under, wanting to go back under the law of Moses, he says that that law is, is, is dead and gone. He says, if you do that, then Christ has become no effect unto you. In other words, Christ couldn't help them. So when a person turns away from the way, the only way, there's no hope for them. Yes, there are people who say, well, you can't judge people. You're not to stand in judgment and say who's going to be in heaven and who's going to be in hell. Well, we can judge as long as the Bible judges that person. We're not really judging the person. All we're doing is stating a fact. If, if Christ says that He is the only way to heaven and somebody else says, well, I can get there some other way, we know that's in opposition to what Christ says, and we know, that, that we know that's not true. So and, and we 
through logic and reasoning and understanding, no, if that person continues to believe that, then they won't be in heaven. Why? Because they have not obeyed God's Word. That's not judging a person. That's looking at the facts. But Christ came and He showed the only way to God. So therefore, preaching Him as the only way is our responsibility. We're to stand up for that. We're to let people know that Christ is the answer. Now, in our world today, there are not too many people that are unaware of Christ. There may be a lot of things they don't understand, but I don't see how you can live in this country for any length of time and not know who Jesus is. Whether you accept Him or not, the fact is that, you know, every Sunday there are people gathering to worship God and to, and to worship Christ. So it's not like a person's living in a vacuum, like they're on an island somewhere by themselves. This country affords people the opportunity to gather for public worship. But yet we still have the obligation to teach Christ the proper way. It's not only a matter of believing Christ is the way, but teaching the proper way. Uh, Matthew 15, as Jesus talked about the commandments of men being taught as doctrine, that shows us very plainly that there are those who are in error. It's not that we are mean and looking to say, well, if you don't believe like we do, then you're in error. Well, if you don't believe like the Bible does or teaches, you are in error. Yet, people do not like to be told that someone's going to heaven or going to hell, I should say. They don't like to hear that, but yet they're uh, unknowledgeable about what God's Word teaches. Another thing that Christ uh, affords us is the fact to obey God and to do God's will. We have that opportunity and to be accepted. The belief that God has chosen a specific group to be saved and a specific group to be lost is totally foreign to the Scriptures. God gives us the opportunity to obey. What Jesus says is recorded in Mark 16, uh, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That gives people an opportunity. And he told His apostles to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That gives people the opportunity. So therefore, we preach Christ as the way of faith and obedience because He is who we are following. By following Him, we are following God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. So the way we express our love to God, the way that we show that we love God is following Christ, keeping those commandments. And not out of a heart that is doing it because they have to, we have to show that we love God. Uh, talking about giving into the collection sometimes, uh, there, I, and I don't know if this happened or not, but it's a good point. Somebody said that a man gave a dollar one time to the collection, and people were talking about the reason behind giving, and they said, well, you know, God will even accept from a grouch. You know, I don't know if that's true. I don't think God accepts things like that because our heart has to be right. Therefore, when we look at the Savior's way, it involves our faith and obedience to God. We're to follow what the Bible teaches. I don't know. I know that you're probably like I am. If you've ever taught religion with people, you have come across people who believe that they don't really have to follow the Bible. And there's teachings today that go on that says, really, the Bible is a love letter. That really there are no commandments. And I have read that and heard that from people and it just astounds me that people make that kind of statement. When you can look as the verse I just quoted, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what are commandments? You know, what, if there are no commandments, then I guess Jesus was wrong. 
And I don't know what planet he's living on if there are no commandments because he told us to keep his commandments. Well, that comes from a mind that does not want to follow God's word. They want to follow what they believe, what they desire, and still have the reward at the end. That's like a child oftentimes doesn't want to eat uh, supper or lunch or whatever. They want to go where? Straight to the dessert. <laughs> of course, many of us adults like to do the same thing, but, but we understand that in order to get the reward that we have to be obedient to God. God is going to reward us, and I know that God has put in His Word descriptions of heaven, but yet He did that so that we would have some understanding of what to look forward to. We really cannot know exactly what heaven's going to be like until we get there. We know it's going to be a wonderful place. God has told us that. And yet, there uh, lies the problem that we really can't comprehend everything that's going to be there. But I don't have to worry about that. I don't worry about that at all. I look forward to it. But we realize that to preach Christ as the way, it's going to involve our, our faith and obedience. Another thing, and this is a, a tricky one or a, a difficult subject for a lot of people because when you talk about the church, there are so many things that people have been taught. And, and I know most of the people are honest and sincere and they believe what they believe. I don't have a problem understanding that. But the problem comes is when they're presented with the truth and yet they still hold on to what they want to believe. It's not, it's not uh, the worst thing to have been taught incorrectly. The worst thing is to not change when you are presented with what is right. That's the worst thing. And, and if you've done any evangelism, if you've done any door knocking, you know that most of the people are rejecting the word. You don't have to go very far. Oftentimes it may be the first door you knock on that the people are going to say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I was door knocking one time and a man was working in his yard and you know, we were walking on the sidewalk and before we even got a chance to say anything, he had already made it very clear that he didn't want to talk to us. You know? It's going to happen. And it's sad that it happens because people cannot hear the truth when they've locked their minds to what they believe already. But preaching Christ as a way means preaching His church. Jesus said, I will build my church. You read through the Scripture. Most of the time it talks about church, it says the church, unless it's talking about um, the congregations. And it says churches, as, as Paul says, you know, as I give commandment to the churches of Galatia. He wasn't talking about different denominations. He was just talking about different congregations of the Lord's church. Because back then there were no denominations. Did they have philosophies of religion? Absolutely. Did they have Judaism still around? Absolutely, because it's around today. But yet, when we talk about the church, we're talking about one church. You cannot preach Christ without preaching the church. People say, well, I want Christ, but I don't want the church. They are inseparable. You cannot separate the two. Why? Because how did Christ establish the church? With his body. He died on the cross. With, he purchased the church with his blood, uh, as Paul says. So they are inseparable. You cannot separate the church and Christ. And yet, there are so many people who do not understand that. And the reason why is because they have seen thousands of different religions in this world. They see the different denominations in this country alone, and that is confusing. If they have not been presented with the truth, then they are either going to say, well, you know, that's the way religion is. We've got all these different uh, religions, and who knows what the truth is. So they feel justified oftentimes by not doing anything. 
Or they may feel justified by going to somewhere where they may feel, well, they don't teach all the truth, but who does? You know, that, that's the idea. You know, nobody has, you know, a monopoly on the truth. And oftentimes uh, the church is accused of that. Well, you think you have a monopoly on the truth. We don't have a monopoly on the truth. The truth is what it is. We follow what the Word teaches. Why would God give us something that would be confusing? Paul said God is not the author of confusion. So therefore, we can understand God's Word. Now, as the, the writers of the New Testament say, there are things that may be a little more difficult to understand. But God gave us the Word in a way that we could understand it by using reason and logic. And as some people say, just good old common horse sense. You know, if we believe the Bible to be true which we do, and it can be proven to be God's Word. When Jesus makes a statement such as He did in John 14, 6, He's either correct or He's not. There is no in-between. There's no gray area in there. Either Jesus is right or He's a liar. Because He's claiming to be the only way to God. And therefore, if He's not the way to God, then He's wrong. But we know that's not the case. So therefore, that makes Christ the only way to God. And when we preach Christ, we need to preach the way. As he says here, he is the way. Well, what way is that? Well, first of all, it, it involves a lot of things. It's hard to get it into one lesson. But we know it, under it involves following what he teaches. As we... Uh, look at the New Testament writers, we look at Paul's association and relationship with Timothy. He told Timothy to preach the Word. Well, common sense will tell you that means preach something other than Timothy's opinion. Well, where did Paul get that information? Where did he get that authority? He got it from God. Oftentimes people will say, well, the examples that we see in the, in the New Testament about worship and uh, things like that, that you know, what we can have as far as authority and all. They look at the fact that the apostles are independent on their own. I'm going to tell you the fact that if the apostles were teaching something incorrect, they would have been corrected. Just as Paul corrected Peter when Peter had withdrew himself from the Gentiles uh, after going to the Gentiles, putting the gospel to them, and then not wanting to be seen with them. He didn't want his Jewish brethren to be seeing him associating with the Gentiles, so Paul addressed him to his face in public. Why? Because Peter was wrong in that uh, situation. So if an apostle was teaching something incorrect, it would have been corrected. And we have been told when things were taught incorrectly. I remember uh, reading an article by uh, one of our brethren that has gone off into error and talking about when Jesus and the apostles were together and the apostles saw somebody else going out and performing miracles, and the apostles were saying something about it, and Jesus told them, basically, just paraphrasing, that, uh, to leave that person alone, doing a good work. Well, I can tell you, Jesus would not have endorsed that person if they had been doing wrong. And see, that's common sense. But yet, there are those who want to take a situation like that and try to make it appear something else so that their doctrine or what they're teaching will be accepted. We have that happening all the time. But when we look at the Savior's way, we see that Jesus is the only way, that His way, and the, these are only just a couple. You can, you know, come up with your own as far as the way, but uh, the Savior's way involves our faith and obedience and also the church. 
And then the last thing, right quickly, is a way of holiness. In other words, it's not a matter of coming to God and obeying the gospel, becoming Christian and living the way you want. We are commanded to live a holy and righteous life. As Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, how that we're commanded to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. We're to be representatives of God, so therefore our lives need to reflect holiness and righteousness. Uh, Titus 2, beginning in verse uh, 11 there, Titus 2, 11, talking about that what does grace do? It teaches us. What does it teach us? It teaches us about living a holy and righteous and godly life, forsaking ungodliness. So therefore, we look at these things, we see that we have a wonderful opportunity to become a child of God because of God's grace and His love for us, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. But yet we also see that we are to be faithful. Uh, the Revelation 2.10, faithful even unto death. You know, and that may come at some point in this country. Hopefully not, but we never know. But we see that these things are involved in the Savior's way. Now, I don't know if you've ever really concentrated much on John 14.6, but it is one of my favorite texts because of what it says and what it involves. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, I can even understand that. But coming to the Father means more than just believing, as some teach. It also means that we've got to turn our lives over to God and live for Him. And before we can do that, and yes, if you went on the street and did a survey of, and asked the question, well, what is a Christian? I don't know how many different answers you would get. You would get so many different answers. You could probably, and people have written books. <laughs> but the thing is that there's only one Christian mentioned in the Bible, and that's a person who obeys the commands of God to become a child of God. By hearing the word of God, that means understanding, repenting, I mean, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, not just he's, that he is a prophet, as some teach, but he is the way, the only way. Uh, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ publicly, and then being baptized for the remission of your sins puts you into Christ. That's what is necessary. And then, as Peter says, to be holy. It should be uh, an honor and a privilege for us to follow that example. If you're here this morning and have not done that, uh, we encourage you to because your soul is at stake. We're told that man has to obey God. As Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. If you need to respond this morning to this, this invitation, we pray that you won't put it off because it, it could cost you your eternity. And as a child of God, if you need to come and respond in a public way, we pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing.